0: another episode of the discernible interviews today we are talking with lauren dry all the way from western australia lauren is a coach specializing in unconscious the unconscious mind and how we how we act sometimes out of things that we're not aware of and so today i am going to be exploring with her this idea of the connection between how we feel how we think how we act and some of the some of the motivations and triggers and drivers of some of our behavior. I'm fascinated, Lauren, by this idea that we do things that we don't necessarily want to do. And we also perhaps are able to affect some of our unconscious programming and actions uh, through not just a mental approach, but a physical approach. I'm aware there are some physical things you can do to change the way you think and therefore act. So welcome to the show. Thank you for having this discussion.
1: Thanks for having me, Matt. I'm so excited about this topic. Um, I could literally talk about it for hours. Um, And there is such a space um, at the moment for having an understanding of and um, having a curiosity about what's happening in your unconscious mind and why that's leading your behaviours. And that means leading your behaviours on a micro level, so how you interact in your relationships how you react in you um, as a parent, I think is so important. Um, as a parent myself, I, um, I think that's originally where my fascination came from. I had such a curiosity about why I loved a certain style of parenting. Um, and yet there were so many reactions that were coming up for me that were opposite to how I wanted to show up. Um, and that started this deep dive for me of, of um, attachment theory, behavior theory, and um, yeah, that world of psychology that really helps you to understand why not only in relationships, but on a macro level, you Mm. know, so why huge populations of people might surprise might might behave in surprising ways. Um, And it's all comes down to the unconscious mind um yeah, I absolutely love this topic and there's a few really popular um, cases that I really want to dive into to give people like a beautiful picture of how you might think that you're going to behave in a certain way or you might want to behave in a certain way. Um, particularly with you know, everything happening over the last few years with the pandemic, um, I think people might have caught themselves, off guard with perhaps how they responded or even wanted to behave or wanted to either take action or, you know, sit in their own peace with their their own world and their lives and found themselves quite surprised about not only how perhaps they might have been responding, but the people around them and um, why that happened.
0: Can I, uh, let's start with a practical example and we'll definitely get into the, into the weeds and the psychology and, and the yeah. studies, but I, I, there's something that's on my mind at the moment is Novak Djokovic. So I'm wondering if we can start with your take on that, because I'm seeing people in a well-meaning way, look around and, and say, well, he's great. He won. I'm cheering for him. I want to champion him. And now I'm seeing them openly ask the question on LinkedIn and Twitter why did I feel so much rage and hate towards him last year? So props to them for being vulnerable enough to yeah. admit this, but they're they're noticing uh, incongruencies in their own behaviour. So if we consider the way that we were kind of herded into seeing and treating Novak last year versus this year we, we were being encouraged to champion him and he's a hero and he's amazing. What's going on there, especially with these people who are struggling with their own reactions towards him?
2: Yeah, so
1: it's just a perfect example of um, what groupthink does. Um, And I want to get away from like, you know, as you said, like the case studies to give people a picture of why this happens and why your brain responds that way is we are connected beings. We are constantly gaining um, information and feedback from the world around us, particularly the people around us Mm. as to whether we are safe. And if we don't feel safe, we switch on our um, sympathetic nervous system um, and that kicks us into fight flight fauna freeze and we behave from um in ways that help us survive but don't help us learn so it switches off our, our learning system it switches off our digestive system it switches off you know all these things that we need in order to you know gain new information and learn new things um if we're in a state of fight flight fauna freeze and um The concern with that is, is as connective beings, we are checking in with the people around us and their nervous systems. Because as babies, human beings can't survive just on food, water, um, and heat um, alone. We actually require in order to build our nervous system and gain a sense of safety to learn um, feedback from our caregiver. Um, are we close? Are they safe? If they're not safe, I should be on high alert. Um, And when you, what happens when you are going through a breakup or if you're feeling depressed is your priority food and water? You know, for a lot of people, they shut all of those things, those essentials down. They'd much rather have comfort and support from another person. So there's so many examples of why if we don't feel safe and there's chaos going on around us and someone looks like a threat we're going to go for that as well. And there's this Mm. spectacular experiment um, that was done um, quite a few years back. It's one of the most popular um, psychology experiments. It's called the Ash Conformity Experiment where they put these people, I'm sure you're familiar with it, they put these people um, in a room together um, and asked them to look at a line, two lines, Mm. see whether one was longer or one was shorter. Mm. And For 75% of people in the main experiment, even when that person knew with 99.99% clarity because they'd done the experiment before without other people in the room, even though they knew that line was longer, if everyone else in the room was saying that that line was shorter, they would 75% of the time say, oh, yeah, no, no, that's definitely shorter too absolutely because so that's we, the
0: crowd forcing them to abandon their what they know to be true
1: exactly and that comes from a real primal unconscious need to um, feel safe and supported by the people in the nervous systems around us and we do that by mimicking and copying and conforming and a lot of it is comes from an unconscious place so if we are feeling confused and we are feeling guilty about why did i do that and why did i um, follow that, it's because we're seeking safety. It's because we're seeking community. It's because we're seeking from our nervous system and unconscious mind level congruency because when we're left alone, when we're left outside of the pack, it's dangerous for our nervous and I, system. and that's what we understand.
0: Can I inject into here a little clip uh, of an episode of Brain Games where they did the Asher experiment, but they also went on to do an experiment where Uh, In a doctor's surgery, a beep would go off, and to see whether people would stand just because of peer pressure to this beep.
2: It's
0: fascinating. So let's have a look at that now. We set up a hidden camera
3: experiment to see if this woman would stand up at the sound of this tone simply because everyone else is. You might be thinking you'd never go along with this, or would you? After just three beeps, and without knowing why she's doing it, this woman is now conforming perfectly to the group. But what happens if we take the group away? Okay, now she's alone, the crowd is gone, and nobody is watching her, except our hidden cameras. What do you think she'll do? She's now conforming to the rules of the group without them even being there. Now watch what happens when we introduce another outsider who doesn't know the rules.
1: Have a seat and they'll be out in just a couple minutes. thanks. Thanks so much.
2: was doing it, so I thought I
3: was supposed to. Think she'll mm-hmm. teach the new guy what to do? We kept the cameras rolling as more unsuspecting patients arrived. And slowly but surely, what began as a random rule for this woman has now become the social norm for everyone in this waiting
0: room. So Lauren, we've just watched people standing up to a beep, even when the original reason for it has been removed, that just culture just sort of carries on down the road. So when you think about, um, uh, the impressionability of, of us humans, is that what was happening with Novak the first time around? It wasn't so much that people really hated Novak, really. It was that he represented a threat and our, it seemed like our entire community of humans in Australia was saying he's a threat. And so to stay on side with them, I guess, to stay with the herd, we wanted to.
1: Yeah. Yeah, look, and with this experiment as well, I think what is so important for us to understand if we don't want to repeat these things is to understand that these experiments, while they're completely fascinating, are completely repeatable. They're repeatable with monkeys um, trying to fight over a banana um, Mm. and they get electrocuted. You replace all, all the monkeys one by one with new monkeys. The new ones, the old ones, even if they hadn't, noticed that um or hadn't been electrocuted in the past um they for not knowing the reason they will prevent other monkeys from going for that banana because they know that something's wrong they know they're scared so when we are surrendered to our unconscious mind without showing curiosity we are at the mercy of it
0: Mm. so now if we consider let me show you another clip This is of a man who lives in a suburb in Melbourne called Nanawading, and he's complaining to that great hard-hitting journalist, Ali Langdon, uh, that Novak coming back now in 2023 is terrible. He should suffer the way we suffered. His ban should stand and Albo should kick him out of the country. Have a look at this. For all the other means of
4: Australians who actually had to sacrifice and had to do things that they did not enjoy, but we played by the rules. We did as the government and the authorities asked us to do. And, and for my wife to be in hospital and only be allowed one visitor, not to be able to see any other members of the family or their friends both here in Melbourne and Adelaide, and yet we have one other person now who thinks that they should be given special treatment. And it really upsets me because we did as we were asked. We suffered and we're still suffering now. So I just want to ask Prime Minister Albanese and the Immigration Minister Andrew Giles to say no, all Australians must be treated fairly and equally. We did our bit and we expect Djokovic to be treated the same way and that is equally and fairly like everyone else and not given special treatment. So how now can the government expect people to do the right thing when they ask us to do things that are not popular that we don't want to do and then later on down the track say, well, the pandemic's passed mm-hmm. now. We'll make we'll make a special exemption for other people just because you're rich and you're
0: famous. So, Lauren, there's that gentleman, uh, and this brings us into how people process things now. He, we make fun of him, but he's clearly going through some kind of cognitive process where he can't process the trauma that was done to him by the government a year ago.
2: Yeah.
1: Yeah. So I just mentioned the monkey experiment where these monkeys don't even know why they're tearing the other monkeys down to stop them from getting the banana. Mm. So that's a perfect, this clip is a perfect reference to that, but not only that, a lot of the work that I do, I, um, I work in the parts work space and the way, the beautiful way to picture what is happening for him is that there are there's a dichotomy in his unconscious mind um, there was a trauma that happened where he was forced to split off from his authentic truth, his authentic desires So say for example, he didn't want to be taking an injection he didn't want to be um, locked out of certain parts of the country or let, let's say that's where, where that resentment comes from. Mm-hmm. But he, in order to survive, he had to shut that part of himself down.
2: Right. And
1: to do that, he had to use certain tools in his unconscious mind. He had to probably be quite critical of his authentic self. He probably had to be quite quite hard on every part of himself that believed that this was unfair, um, that this was not right. And so to do that, he developed a protector part. And you, you can identify this. Very clearly, as a protector part, it's critical. It's um, uh, self. Um, it, it's very um, hard on the parts of you that know better. Basically, um, mm. however, if we're not conscious of this happening, of this protector part coming out and and it's kind of stepping in um, as a as a bodyguard for the parts of us that can no longer come forward, mm. um, we allow that protective part not only to punish ourselves every time we think that we deserve better, but to punish other people and to punish the world around us because from a a twisted perspective, even though this protective part knows it's not right, we're slipping into these unconscious survival mechanisms of fight, flight, fawn or freeze. And that means I'm going to try and placate you for fawn. Um, I'm going to try and run away for flight Um, and I'm going to try and fight you if I can't freeze, because if you are trying to um, get into the parts of me that I'm trying to protect and I know I can't protect them, this is the best I can do by fighting you, then I'm gonna use whatever way I can because I'm not in my rational mind, I'm in my survival brain and I am trying to survive. I'm going to attack you instead.
0: This makes a lot of sense because the reason why he looks so ridiculous now is, is that he's doubling down on more pain for himself and for, the, and for us and for the Australian community, which doesn't make sense because he's also complaining about pain that was induced on the Australian community. It's really odd. So if he's now committed into this weird space, uh, is there a way out for someone who, who finds themselves in that zone? There's a lot of people at the moment now as mandates wear off and as COVID and, and all sorts of things change that they... I think they're conflicted that some, yeah. And I want to help those people to process yes. and think, even if I did hate my, my children, uh, so a lot of children have been angry at parents for not getting yeah. vaccinated and they say, you can't come to Christmas. And now I see them struggling when they talk to the parents, they're trying to reconcile, but they can't just come and kind of say, I'm so sorry. I should never have done that to you last year and ban you from seeing your grandchild. They can't do that either. So, what is the way forward for those people that feel really stuck?
1: So, um, part of my my business as as what I like to refer to as a connection catalyst, because there's a lot of work where we can empower people to use their boundaries and shut people out. Um, yet what I prefer to use is a connective boundary. And I'll I'll come back to that in a second, but first of all, I want to go back to your your reference as to how do we heal that first.
2: Hmm.
1: Um, And that is imagine um, back in our primal brain, we would go into a state of fight-flight for or freeze if we thought a a tiger was chasing us. Hmm. Now, that would be a short period. So there would be a short period, tiger chasing us, you escape, and then, uh, we needed to use, we need to use, um, physical somatic practices to get into a state, a parasympathetic nervous system state. So that means if in reality, a tiger was chasing you, you can see this in, um, in prey animals, if they have actually been chased, um, they're. Their system actually goes into a state of, it looks like a state of shock, but it's actually a state of release. So they shake, they yawn, they run in circles, roll themselves around. They're literally shaking the stress off. And we need to start remembering that there is a... an undeniable connection between our mind and our body. And we start recognising that and allow those feelings to move through us in a safe way. There are so many um, practices available, everything from breath work to um, tapping to a wide variety of somatic practices. But that needs to be um, matched together with new conscious mind practices that allow you to get into a state of safety so you can – learn so your parasympathetic nervous system is switched back on and when your parasympathetic safety system is switched on, you can learn, you can digest your food again, you can heal because all those systems are switched off when a tiger is chasing you. But our system also starts to break down if you believe a tiger is chasing you for three straight years. So first and foremost for ourselves it's important that we get it into a state of safety again to shake it off. So vitally important because then once we do that, we match it with some conscious mind tools, which involves things like connective boundaries. Yeah, I wasn't okay with that, but I am okay with what I, with the space that I held, with the decisions that I made. And I can separate that from my identity and I can recognise that connections, even sometimes complex ones, complicated ones, are important to me. There are some that I don't want to revisit and that's fine, but there are also some that I do want to revisit and I want to respect and appreciate that we shared two different realities and I think that that is vital for all of us. No matter what decisions you made, no matter why you made them or what side of the fence you're on, we all thrive on connections, even if they're complex ones, and to do that we need to respect that everyone has a different reality by sitting in a place of safety, connecting with curiosity and compassion and knowing where we end and they begin. So finding tools to navigate that space in between and doing that with care for something that you don't agree with and that's okay, you don't have to. We don't need to blend ourselves. We don't need to... um, step on another person's toes. We don't need to take their stories away from them in order to have safe connections. In fact, that is the the ground level basis of having true, authentic um, healing relationships. And I think that's what we all need after the last few years, not only on a micro level, but on a macro level. Everyone's confused. Everyone's hurt. Everyone has been hurt. And we all need to come back to a a place where we go, I get it. I get why you did that. I'm not, I don't have to agree with it. But in order to move forward without tearing each other apart, because that's, that's the enemy in all of this. It's that the black and white thinking of you're right and you're wrong. When we start to get back into our unconscious mind, find out what our needs are and our feelings, get back to safety, shake it out. And then come back to that the fact that we are human beings, we are connected beings. We do require those relationships. And when we do it with connection, compassion, and curiosity, the you know, the world is your oyster.
0: So let's make that super practical with those two uh avatars. So, first of all, the man who we watched, who is so angry that Djokovic is allowed in because he wasn't allowed to visit his wife in hospital, uh what would he? We don't, this is hypothetical. I don't know how he's going, even though he's he's not far from where I am. Uh, What could he, what should he do? What can he do to process, to get to a place of safety and then to make connective boundaries, considering he's doubling down at the moment on you should suffer?
1: I'm so glad you asked this because step one, absolutely, in order to shake that out and to come back to a place of safety, you can't do that without acknowledging your own reality. And what he's doing in that clip is still staying in a state of split parts where the protector is front and centre and saying, I'm not letting you come into all my true feelings and needs. I'm not letting you see that I'm scared. I'm not letting you see that I'm hurt. I'm going to stay out here and I'm going to attack you because Novak, you're the bad guy. You didn't do what I had to do. And your authenticity, your the fact that you look like you've come out of this unscathed when I didn't is a threat to me. So until he can sit back and go, why am I so angry? I'm angry because I'm resentful. I'm angry because I had to split off a part of myself in order to survive. And that's a lonely place to be, to shut down parts of yourself that, you know, are important. Like I need to go see my wife. That's a need. I need a connection with my wife. And I had to shut that off to be okay with this new reality. So grief, grief is involved.
2: He's
0: clearly not doing that. So that's the first step. He that. needs to acknowledge and accept and go through that process.
1: Yeah, and that's difficult, particularly if you have a strong protective buff because for many people it's a lot more comfortable to be angry than sad.
0: Right. So until he does that, he obviously can't go ahead and make healthy connective boundaries and re-engage with other parts of society. He's just perpetually angry. Let's talk about the people who were angry at their parents for not doing something uh, getting vaccinated or whatever, but yeah. just um, now I see them coming back together in an awkward, icy kind of. <laughs> let's go to Christmas together this year, but let's not talk about the fact that last year I banished you from our family and and so on.
1: Yes. So what's let's pretend, going on there? And he had children, and he treated them the same way he treated them right,
2: back. right, right.
1: Yeah. So in this fictional reality, you know, he's like, "Oh, I suppose he can come to Christmas this year." Mm.
2: Um,
1: If you are someone who's done the work and if you are someone who, you know, can look into those somatic practices and get to a place of safety and respect his reality, even if you don't agree with it, because that's the tricky part with managing and creating new micro and macro realities is accepting what you can change and what you can't, and then you can see with new eyes what you absolutely can change and what you absolutely can recreate. So for someone like that, if you come to them and say, you were wrong, what do you think their part's going to do? Yeah,
2: they'll we're just...
1: Straight into hyperdrive right. again. Yeah. So we need to understand what are you looking to get out of that relationship? Can we show empathy for a generation that doesn't have the tools that we have now? There are so many tools available to us as the internet generation mm. um, of ways that you can access healing so that you can be okay in your new reality. In fact, you can be brilliantly proud of and um excited about what that transformation has done for you so that you can show empathy and perhaps be a light for those people who who aren't there yet. And you can Create a safe space, and if that needs to be away from the conversation about Christmas, then that needs to probably be away from a conversation about Christmas. Find that safe doorway, that connective point, where perhaps there are ways that you can ask the other person, how are you feeling at the moment? Stay away from the trigger topics until they feel safe, and that bond has been repaired, because it absolutely can be because we all are human beings with feelings and needs. And when we feel heard about those feelings and needs, the issue itself becomes much less important. So you can have a fight about, you, I did, for example, a nice small one, you didn't do the dishes tonight.
2: Mm.
1: Whereas if you stay stuck in that place about who did the dishes and how long and which schedule, you're missing the connective point. And the connective point is I don't feel supported. Mm. I need care so what's your feeling and your need and anyone with an ounce of empathy in their body can say yeah that makes sense I felt unsupported sometimes too I have felt um, that I need care and when you stay in that I I feeling space I need space no one can take your feelings and your needs from you but if you come at someone else and say you did this and you made me feel that way That's when you're stepping on someone else's reality. So if you want that relationship to be repaired, stay in your lane and stick to um, non-inflammatory topics and try to find that doorway into their authenticity again and make sure that you're taking care of yourself too. And that way when those large topics come up, you have that emotional literacy of I feel a little unheard at the moment. I need to be able to make my own decisions. And when you are feeling like we can step back into this safe space again, the door is open, but there's ground rules, there are boundaries. You know, we talk to each other respectfully. I'm happy to talk anytime you need. I'm going to pop in for a cup of next week. It's all good. I'm not going anywhere. But allow space, flexibility, and movement within that uncomfortable space. Start to learn to be uncomfortable with uncomfortable emotions and you know what, you are going to thrive and you're going to be able to model that for people who probably look for, oh, this anti-vaxxers just coming at me with, you know, they think that I'm killing everybody and da-da-da. They're waiting for the fight, you know. So, But when you're in your safety and you're only talking about your feelings and your needs and you're showing curiosity about the other person, there's no doorway for a fight. You're removing the trigger. You're removing the ammunition.
0: I'm I, I'm really enjoying this chat because I'm seeing a lot of parallels in my own life when you talk about the dishes, you know, describing my marriage. Uh, it, it took us 15 years to figure out it's not about the dishes. It's
1: not about the dishes. It's not about the dishes. About the dishes. the power also- of I feel and I need and can you hear me? And now, and turn-taking, like it's my turn to have a problem, now it's your turn to have a problem. <laughs> I'm listening. It's my t- I have the listening stick. I have the dish that this allows me to talk right now.
2: <laughs> it's
1: spectacular because we all want connection. We all want empathy. And then when we, when we stay stuck in a conversation about, you know, who got jabbed and who didn't, as opposed to I feel lonely, I feel angry, I feel hurt, and I miss you. Can you forgive me for perhaps not being able to understand your perspective? Can you forgive me is a beautiful healing statement. You don't even have to be wrong. You don't even have to say sorry. Just can you okay. forgive me for perhaps not showing empathy? You know, I, I get you now. I don't have to agree, but, yeah. Hey, I, I think-
0: hope Yeah, I hope all of the listeners are enjoying their oxytocin dump because I certainly am right now. I'm feeling like <laughs> let's let's all have a cuddle. Uh, it the other- is
1: so. Let's bring it you know bring it back to the babies we need each other we don't have to agree and I really think we need to start bringing ourselves back from the brink of disaster where we where we think if you hope you're enjoying the rooster in the background as well Um, I think we need to bring ourselves back from the brink of disaster where we think unless you agree with me I need to cut you off you know and sometimes there's a lot of fear particularly with a pandemic I can't talk to you I can't you know touch you or feel you like keep the bridges open because there's not a thing that could happen in the world where if if we stay in that space of safety of our own boundaries using connection and empathy and compassion for other people there's not a thing that we can um, come up against that's going to split us apart because we recognise that it's okay to have two different realities and we care about those different realities without shaking our own.
0: So let's now, so that was a very good, advice to people who've been pushed out on how to, so that's for the, for the parent who's pushed out by the child and is now approaching with empathy and connecting with that, that child. So it'd be the son of that man we watched on the clip reconnecting with him. But I want to, I want to look at something a bit more tricky. So the actual person who did the pushing out and who now is coming to terms with what they did last year, um, banning the children from visiting them or whatever they're feeling bad about it but they're having trouble because it's they can't just say i'm sorry what i did last year was wrong because they don't believe that and maybe maybe they didn't like we're not making a a factual judgment call on whether what was right or wrong we're exploring more this the, the human interaction but they're conflicted because now they're saying yes we can hang out this year but i'm not sure why so for those people who are very conflicted in themselves and they're noticing that they've been inconsistent and they it's almost like it's difficult for them to lay down that protector.
2: Very difficult. The
1: protector yeah. is um, powerful for a reason because it comes from that primal place of protecting you from a tiger. It's mm. just that the, the confusion in our nervous system is, is how to wrestle with a tiger for three years and then put the weapons down. You know, that can create some really harsh hardwiring. And in order to do that, the only way that we can do that, what a lot of people do is they try to wrestle with the protector,
2: yeah.
1: um, which, also, which makes it double down, you know. Right. Without honouring that protector first, it will not sit down. So if you are that person who yeah. is conflicted and you recognise something is, is amiss, so if I was, if, if if you had come to me and, and, you know, you just told me, you know, I can't believe my son did this, you know, for three years and I can't mm. believe he he took this and now he wants to come to Christmas. He doesn't care about grandma. He doesn't care mm. about that. He's selfish. And now he's coming into that place and he's just letting me know what's happening. He's coming into that place of, well, I might invite him to Christmas. Mm. And he can see that confusion of like, I'm not sure why, maybe it's safe now, but I'm also Mm. recognizing there's signs around me that I've made the wrong decision, but I'm not ready to admit that. Mm. My, I I would stay away from advice first of all, and I would say, it's been a really hard few years, hasn't it? Mm. You know, have Mm. you have how is your son? You know, are you looking forward to seeing him? I'd start with building the bridge first. You know that place of safety of recognise it has been really hard. I'm going to honour your protector. It has been really hard. You know, it's good to be coming out of that. And then there are two doors that you would take. If they are showing curiosity that perhaps there's new information available, allow them to talk about it. Allow them to talk about, you know, it's quite strange actually that there's um, in this news article There's, you know, people in hospitals who have been jabbed, so many of them, da-da-da. Allow them to show curiosity and kind of let them. But there's gonna be a lot of people who, until that protector has calmed down, they'll be looking for excuses to jump on those stories and be like, That's
2: right. No, 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 that's right.
1: So show curiosity about where they're at. If they're still at that highly defensive state, just stay away from COVID completely. And allow them to say, it's been a really hard few years, I've missed you, how have you been? And allow them to see that if if the son comes to the father and wants to build that bridge without letting down their boundaries, without letting down um, their guard, allow that son to come forward without getting into the dishes, without getting into the muck that allowed that protector to come in first. Find that healing pathway into the relationship first because then when that person feels safe, who are they going to talk to when yeah. they start feeling things are really strange? And, you know, their their reality is challenged even more. They're going to need your support because it's going to be even scarier than it was before and they're not even going to want to talk about it if they don't feel safe. So
2: yeah. for
1: that, sorry, I'm going to come back to the father again, because we got into a little bit of a a theoretical discussion there. But for the father, if you want to repair that relationship with your son, acknowledge first how scary the last few years have been and acknowledge that you came from a place of survival and that that's okay, that's human instinct, that's human requirement, that's human need to step into a place of survival. You need to be able to forgive yourself. Mm. And when you forgive yourself and you can recognize i did that from a place of survival we do crazy things when we're in fight flight fawn or freeze honor that and you can start again no matter how old you are no matter how young you are there's not a relationship on this earth but if you are curious about it there is a doorway where you can try and start again and you don't have to go into the muck you don't have to go into the dishes you can start again and you can find new, even stronger bonds and stronger relationships for the complexity
2: of that.
0: Yeah, I find it uh, very helpful to think of this protector as a good part of me, even if it does the wrong thing. So if I'm conflicted, I can look back on something I did horrible last year by disowning my family or something, and yeah. and new, new facts have emerged, and I should be able to say that um, Logically, that's wrong what I did, but at the same time, it doesn't mean I'm horrible. It doesn't mean my protector shouldn't be there. Like it, it's I can honour that part of me.
1: I love parts work because we are we, it gives us the capacity to review the parts of ourselves in different lenses. So if we identified completely with our protector, what happens when our protector is challenged? Someone is challenging your entire identity, your entire personality, your entire set of values, right? Mm. Whereas when we can step back and we say, actually, this is part of me but also this is part of me and actually also I have these values and they've been completely trampled due to the work of my protector. But it doesn't mean my values have disappeared. Mm. I can honour that my values are still there and have a conversation with my two parts and say, I want this. I still want my values. I want my values of family. I want my values of connection. I want my values of autonomy. But my protector, oh, I see what my protector's doing. My protector's been a bit of a jerk. (laughs) But he's done a really good job. He did protect me from all of the things that I was scared of. I didn't have to feel scared when he was, you know, stepping up and shouting about Novak. Like, thank you for the work that you did. I'm ready to step in now. My adult self the one that doesn't need a protector to keep me safe. Like I'm ready yeah. to step forward using certain tools now. And I don't feel like that protector is my identity. There's more to me than that.
0: Yeah. We're living a, 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 a what's that Pixar movie, Inside Out where there's multiple personalities. I love that movie. Yeah. It's such
1: a great example. Yeah. Yeah. If, yeah. So even if you're an adult, if you're a grandparent, you need to go watch Inside Out, go do it. It's a beautiful, um, Uh, picture of what's happening and the girl in in the movie when she identifies with one straight up you know with anger you know pretty bad things happen we need all our parts we need someone at the control center so all we're doing is coming back to the control center again and and you know allowing everybody to have a conversation inside of us
0: yeah so you've seen you've seen uh, our work at discernible for a while now uh you're you're making me think that's That's one of the things that we do. I feel like we have such a wide variety of views that we do our best to not let the protector take over and butt in and shoot them down and do gotchas, Uh, and it seems to be with-
1: vital work.
0: Now, but then the question is, if you look at the rest of media, when we see journalists reacting and doing gotchas and this kind of thing- We're not really witnessing strength, are we? We're witnessing a similar thing that you just talked about, where they're being defensive when they're being biased and shutting down and doing gotchas.
1: Exactly. So truth and safety and authenticity and true power only happens in a state of safety. So it's actually quite convenient for media organisations, for um, political organisations, to get you into a state of fear or mm. anger and get one person, one protector at the wheel in the parts because guess what is someone, what's easy to do if someone is stuck in a state of fight, flight, or freeze?
0: Con, well, you know, control, you take over, right?
1: Exactly. They're easy to steer. Yeah. You're angry, be angry at that. You're fearful, mm. be angry at that. Don't look at anything else that the other parts might be curious about. Don't look, they're not there. Stay focused. So on a macro level, integration of our parts is vital because if you're confused about what you should do and what's the right decision to make, the last thing that we should to be doing is letting our protector make all the decisions. We want information from our protector, absolutely, but then shake it out. Come back to grounding and find out what the real story is. Because if it was a real story, there would be curiosity, compassion, there would be empathy for different um, uh, viewpoints, and there would be complexity in the discussion. If there Mm -hmm. is no complexity, it is the wrong discussion, get out. And that applies to both sides. So I have actually recognized a ton of. Um, almost militant resistant Mm. in the anti-vax side as well. Mm. Um, And what they need to recognise is even though they're they're feeling like they're coming from the best place and that they have the right information they're trying to protect people, Mm. no one's going to be interested if you shove it down their throat. Mm -hmm. If you don't show empathy and understanding and compassion for the other side and show interest about what's happening, what... Doesn't happen in survival mode when they are in a state of fight, fight, flaws, or or freeze because they feel threatened by your viewpoint. So let's, let's picture this. What happens when you're parasympathetic, your safety nervous system gets switched off because it believes a tiger is chasing you? What do you not need when a tiger is chasing you? Everything Healing. else. Yeah. Your digestive system. Learning. Your learning system gets shut off. So if you're in a conversation, even if you're right, and that person looks like they are in fight, fight, fall or freeze, de-escalate because they are going to learn nothing. Stay in your safety. Sit back in your body. And that goes for anything that you see in the media. If you start to feel inflamed, if you start to feel really scared, if you start to feel really angry, that's a conversation you need to shut down, get out of, and get the information with a hot cup of tea in your hand. Recognize, find ways with tapping to get your body into a sense of safety. Then look at both sides of the story. Then look at the information. If you're feeling inflamed by the media, I guarantee you, it's doing it for a reason. It wants a certain reaction out of you these days. You know, so this was my this independent next independent journalism for sure.
0: So this was my this was my next next question to explore the dark side of uh, the resistance. to Okay, so we've seen the government around the world, governments around the world, uh, big corporate companies long before COVID, frankly, just power structures, uh, corporate power structures, government structures, uh, and of course the media hype people up into a sense of fear. And then they, you know, the protector takes over and then they're able to steer them. And and so on that we've described, but then when you look at the resistance to that, so the pro freedom groups, Uh, some of the pages that people have come to rely on throughout the craziness of the media saying fear mongering, there's been other people on the other side saying, no, that's crazy. But now as everything's calmed down a bit, I've noticed some of those freedom or, or uh, other alternative pages, they're leaning into fear still now, and they're hyping people up. It's about to get really bad. They're about to do another lockdown as soon as Daniel Andrews wins. And they're just talking crap, uh, and, the, and I see them doing the same thing as the government and the media. Yeah. And so I think it's pretty obvious that they're leaning into the same sins, shall we say, of of, of steering and manipulating people, but for their own, own agenda, which might be a better agenda. The agenda of freedom and liberty might be a better agenda, but you're still using fear and so on to get there. So my question is this, in an age where everyone seems to be more what you're describing, nobody does that, Lauren. No, nobody. So few people. Everyone is just kind of floating around, and so the government takes you that way. You go that way. You, you, yeah, because we're
1: saying in the conscious mind. Yeah, the and you get the power of the you, unconscious mind is spectacular. Yeah,
0: and then you get radicalized as the media says by some pro freedom page, and then you go over there, and you're just being controlled and moved around. Yeah. So my question is: Is it is that a viable strategy? to fight back against the fear-mongering and the control and the manipulation from, like, media and government, to use the same tactics to push people towards a brighter future. Because I'm not sure what you're suggesting is achievable for the broad spectrum of the population to become more conscious of their unconscious. Like, how likely is that?
1: Look, it, it needs to be as fascinating and as catchy and as um, pop culture-worthy as you know, Novak playing tennis—it's as simple as that. So if you find it interesting, start talking about it, start practicing it, start seeing what it feels like to feel safe in your own body. Because we can argue about which side is right until the cows come home. You know, I certainly know where, where I stand, and I certainly know where you stand, and many others. Um, but what's the point if if nobody is curious? Because you know, it's like you're drawing your lines in the sand and and that's it, hunker down. But we're all shouting at the other side saying, you don't get it, you don't understand.
2: Mm.
1: But they're, they're lost. They're in their, their, their danger response system. So I think that the first step absolutely is get excited about this work. Get excited about showing curiosity about your unconscious mind. Start mm. talking about it. Start diving mm. into it. And guess what? You're going to be a hell of a lot more interesting than mm. the person down the road shouting that we're all going to die.
2: Mm.
1: You know, if you're a believer in God, or if you, you know you're an atheist, or no matter what religion you follow, we're all going to die. Mm. <laughs> um, we don't know when, and it is not our is not our place to know when. We certainly should take care of, of, for the gifts of the body and the mind and the spirit that's been given to us. Absolutely, um, but true. Um, true value and true um, uh, experiences and um, satisfaction in life doesn't come from, God, how do I stay alive for another five minutes? Mm. It comes from, wow, who am I really inside? Who is this collective group of people that I'm surrounded by really? And what is their spectacular potential? Because when we tap into that, You know, we can show concern about real-world events and we absolutely should, but we're not going to be steered by them and we're certainly not going to be at the mercy of the latest catastrophe when there are bigger things that are our responsibility in this generation and the bigger things that are our responsibility in this generation is how do we finally lift ourselves into the biggest human potential we possibly can and that is by... Releasing the hold the unconscious mind has on us and making it our friend again because then it doesn't matter what crisis comes along, we can manage it with calm and we can respect the people we don't disagree with and it doesn't result in this massive divide and split where one person can stand at the head of one and one person can stand at the head of the other and go, tear each other apart, I have the solutions. We need autonomy. We need authenticity. We need care and compassion for our fellow human being so that we can look around and see who's trying to lead us by the nose and say, I'm okay, thanks. Yeah, appreciate the information, but I've I've got this. And we're all okay, even if we don't agree, we're going to work it out together.
0: So Okay, so we need to popularise this more, More, I don't know if conscious way of living is the right way to say it, but uh, my question then would be how much of the population do you think operates unconsciously? Because of the conversations I'm having with those, for example, the Liberals in various states around this country who have lost elections, their conclusions seem to be the left win elections via fear-mongering, simple messaging and manipulation, so we're going to have to do the same thing. Otherwise, we're just never going to get back in again. So for the, the greater good, for the ends justify the means, we're going to have to descend into a little bit of chaos in our messaging, simplification, manipulation, emotional gaslighting in order to get them into better policy in the long run. That's the conclusions that they're making.
2: Right.
0: Because they think most of the population is unconscious.
1: They're Right. If if you're looking particularly just just at the Asher experiment, they're right, 75% of the population. And it's replicable across all demographics. But what I think is missing from the conversation is that if we're sticking to politics and we're sticking to traditional um, methods of um, communication, traditional methods of power, traditional methods of um, human psychology, then it will always be that way.
2: Mm. Mm. But
1: what we're looking to do is disconnect from that power structure by getting excited about our own autonomy and what happens when, um, say, for example, people never used to even uh, dream that race would be a, um, a contentious topic where things could change. And, you know, I'm sure that these same conversations would have happened back in the day when someone said, oh, you know, well, maybe one day we'll have a black president and then people would laugh and say no-one's going to agree with that, mm. no-one's going to go along with that. We all think the same and it's always going to be the same. Um, but, you know, dramatic, when you study history, dramatic change didn't happen led by a politician. Yes. Dramatic change happened because the people demanded it. So when that becomes a cultural phenomenon of, hey, Oh, I recognise that you're in a state of fight, flight, fawn or freeze on yes. a micro level when someone's talking to you. Let's check in with ourselves, and I'm not, I'm not, I'm not going to abandon you. Yeah. You know, I'm not going to um, reject you for having a different viewpoint. But I am going to expect that we have a respectful conversation. So let's pause and come back to it in a week. Here's the time. Um, on a micro level, guess what's going to be expected at a macro level. When the politicians start calling each other names and behaving like children because they're not connected in with themselves what are we going to expect something better and well, i know that sounds very long term and yeah. i appreciate short-term tactics you know i'm not going to criticize someone to, to, who's working in reality i don't agree with it i don't like it but i work with reality so if that's what you choose to do, I'm not responsible for your decisions, but I am going to help you see how it is real, it is tangible. This yeah. new way of doing things is not only real and tangible, it's practical, and we all can get excited about it because we don't have to create a new movement, we don't have to create a new social group, we don't have to do, which is absolutely what I'm doing anyway. Yeah. So look for people who are doing that. But you can take these changes in your life, and guess what? People really like it. People mm. like being listened to. People really like chatting to someone who, who's safe, who resonates a safe nervous system. They want more of that. They want to copy that. So well, I like hanging out.
0: A I like hanging out with you. It's been a couple <laughs> of times now, and I like
1: hanging out with you, Matt.
0: Yeah, and it's it's not just because you're saying interesting things or your brain is quite interesting. It's because I, you feel, uh, what did you just say, um, confident or safe? Your, your, your nervous system resonates, safety.
1: Yes. So if I am taking care of me, you don't have to stress about me flying off yes. the handle or, yes. or attacking you. Or if you say something inflammatory, you don't have mm. to worry about me going, oh, that was terrible. Mm. If I'm in myself, I can recognise that you're, you're saying these things that has nothing to do with me. I'm safe in me and I can respect you. And I can also, and what I want to state for people who think, oh, what a perfect, you know, wonderful, this is all crap, nobody lives like that all the time. Mm. I have days where I lose my temper. I have days where I get scared. I have days Mm. where, you know, all of this, sometimes all in one day. Mm. But I have enough curiosity and compassion about my parts where I sit there and I go, oops, this one's stepping forward a little. Let me check in with that part. Oops, this anger is kind of, what message does that have for me? And I have so much care and compassion for myself if I behave. And as a mum, I can guarantee you any mums are going to hear me on this. There's not going to be a day where you don't make a mistake of some Mm. kind where I can come to my kids and I'm like, oh, God, I did yell a bit there. Sorry, guys. Mm. Mm. I show them that it's healthy to make mistakes. It's not shameful to make mistakes. I am a human being. I will make mistakes and I'll still stay connected to you. I'm still going to stay accountable for myself. I'm not going to make you do the work for me. And that's fun, like watching someone else be a human being, you know, and that means that even when they stuff up and they will because everyone is a human being, it's okay. They're going to work it out.
0: Hmm. I find it fascinating, though, that you... Feel safe, and I, as a an extension of that feeling that you have with yourself, I feel safe. Right. So, yeah. yeah, If the more we can do that within ourselves, the more we can kind of exude that and spread that around us.
1: Come full circle to exactly what I said at the start of the the interview, which was we are connective beings. We are constantly gaining information from the people around us. So, never underestimate the power the dramatic, world-shattering power of becoming safe in your body. You never know who you're influencing. You never know the dramatic um, ripples that you're having in the world around you. You know, we look to politicians and we look to the media and we look to all of this. Just check in, just wait, just wait to see what's, what's coming when you step into your own safety. When you surrender what doesn't belong to you and take up your own gifts and just start to be fascinated with the effects that you can have on the relationships around you on a micro and macro level, because it is macro, you are spectacular. Um, And there's not a part of you that doesn't deserve that curiosity and compassion.
0: So, we've talked about the negative, uh, some negative aspects of the world, I guess. Uh, can you cast your mind to any anything, any institutions or countries or places or people or anything that is doing this well in terms of conscious living and exu- and, and being uh, safe within themselves and exuding that outwards? What do you see in the world that is doing this really well? I mean, originally there was people like Sam Harris, people would point to five years ago and say he seems to be living in. So- but then Trump got elected and Sam Harris is now lost. The plot and he doesn't care if there were dead bodies in biden's basement and all this kind of stuff so who are you seeing doing it well and how do you know that those people are authentic because like sam harris was held up as this meditative guru and we all wanted to be like him and now he's turning out to be quite crazy and everyone's dropping him yeah
1: do you know what i really love this question because if we're going to get super super traditional you know back to um, the old, one of the oldest texts that's still read today, I don't care what your religion is, it's relevant, it's a beautiful study on morality, um, is don't make anyone your idol. Um, I think you should make people a model, absolutely. You should look up to people and I think some some people that come to mind are, um, are the holistic psychologist Nicole. She's got beautiful, easy to um, digest bits of information um, that, you know, has been became a viral hit across the world um
0: how do we find her who's this
1: she's on instagram the the holistic psychologist so i share a lot of her work on my instagram page because she's really nailed digesting this down into um uh small bites of information that allow you to Um, understand the unconscious mind a little bit more Um, and if you want to look more into parts work um, definitely go to my page as well I I like to break that down into the parts of um, a lot of the work that of behaviorism and um, all all sorts of attachment theory attachment theory is fantastic Um, there are look I think that that's such an important question and I love it and I think you should look to people to model but the way that we get out of this is to find people and expect them to be human um, because and expect them to have parts that you don't like because then you can respect that there are parts that you can learn from. But if you look to someone to be your hero and to mimic them and to copy them and allow them to lead you, we're getting into pop, pop psychology again where. You're taking a new age phenomenon and being led by it. I don't want you to be led by anything. I want you to go inside and find the curiosity about the messages that are there and find the joy there because we all want to be heard by no one more than ourselves. Um, so if I would recommend anyone at all.
0: Well, hang on, before you go into the recommendations, let's just focus on what you said. So don't make an idol. Yeah. Uh you said this is from an ancient text. What are you talking about? Don't make an idol. I, I love oh, quotes the
1: Bible, you know, so there's, there's a few, obviously the, the legal system that comes from the UK and we're Australia, you know, we take the the basis of that from the UK comes yeah. from the 10 commandments. Um,
0: oh, I get it. Okay. So the Christian principle of not having an idol. Okay.
1: Yes.
0: Cool. Yeah. So, yeah. Okay. So not having an idol then. And so not just, not just, people but then let's talk about things other than people and you were about you were about to name some not just people but also institutions or things like it could be like the bible whatever but things that people can look to as models maybe not then just idols but what can we look to
1: um look into attachment theory look into behaviorism do some studies about um look into you know you you can just google top 10 most popular psychology experiments um Mm. and Show some curiosity about what parts of you you think are you but are actually unconscious patterns and, you know, take that away from your identity. Turn off the shame. Um, In terms of institutions, um, again, I'm hesitant to recommend institutions as opposed to um, schools of thought that you can look into Um, because I feel like this field is so new. I feel like this um, way of thinking has been percolating for a while and I think the new way for people to learn and integrate this kind of information is to take ownership of it um, and find some uh, people who can act as um, models for this. Um, and as a parent, this is extremely important in attachment Um, theory and in um, attachment style and conscious parenting um, where we don't want our children to look at us as perfect
2: Mm.
1: because what's going to happen when they become adults and they're not perfect?
2: Right.
1: Yeah, they're going to to feel shame, they're going to feel pain and they're going to feel um, like they're powerless because they couldn't get it right. So look to models be a model for your children, be a model for the people around you, be a model for yourself of what it looks like to be um, regulated. So get get curious about how to be regulated so your, your um, triggers are not sitting in the driver's seat. Um, we want to show curiosity. Put them in the middle, put them in the back, put their seatbelt on, hear them out, but don't shove them in the boot either because that's where dangerous things happen um they're living breathing things so um treat your triggers like your children don't let them drive and don't shove them in the boot either um that's a good analogy <laughs> it absolutely is it's my favorite you know it absolutely is it's the middle space you know um become the parent in your own journey again And um, get curious about modes of thought. We are the the generation that has access to endless forms of information, Mm. so make it your own. We we can step away from traditional schools of thought, Mm. um, traditional models of schooling where it's one person telling you what to do because they know better. Mm. Um, It's not true. And if someone looks like they are um, a godlike figure um then check in with yourself and and find out what within that person is resonating for you that's ready to come forward
0: can we talk a bit about authenticity what it is and how to identify it and are you familiar with sam harris us
1: um i'm familiar not intricately hmm.
0: I guess there would be other people who are held up as a model. Some sometimes an idol, but as a model of authenticity and rationality and reason, and he's his meditative guru and he's helped a lot of people. And I then he lost. Jordan his...
1: Peterson might be a popular one at the moment, maybe. Um, yes, he's looking for someone to refer to. Is that
0: But how? Well, my question is more because Sam Harris serves as a good example of. Presenting one way, and then now his brand is collapsed and is on fire, burning down because everyone's discovered that beneath it all, what appears he was like the king of authenticity, and what's beneath it is garbage. Uh, un- unfortunately for him, like he's quite broken and he looks quite troubled. But that's my question: when you identify someone who's a good model or role model, how do you know what's authentic? How do you know what? what first, let's go broad. What is authenticity? Right. You, called, you called discernible and me authentic once, and I was like, I appreciate the compliment and I want to be authentic, but I don't truly really know what authentic right. means. But
1: authenticity means that they're not an idol, first and foremost. Absolutely. If you put someone on a pedestal, they're not being authentic, first and foremost. Um, when you're looking for authenticity, you want someone who is embracing all of their, their flaws, Everyone, someone who is comfortable in uncomfortable spaces. Mm -hmm. um someone I didn't used to think of as authentic so I'll give you an example um and I'm not saying this person is a model by any means some people they they are and, and I think that there's some great things to take from this person but I didn't used to see them as authentic I used to see them as a as a caricature so a big thing that happened recently or recently ish was um the liver king so did you notice did you do you follow the liver king uh, big-
0: yeah. Can you give us a, a short summary because I've only heard a little bit about it. I haven't been
2: following him.
1: Liver King um, was a guy who came up with the 10, ten tenets of um, primal living, so you eat liver and, yep. you know, you lift heavy and you have community and yep. just really big viral guy um, and he, you know, lifts heavy weights, gets out and sees the sunshine, uh, but swore black and blue in every interview till the cows come, came home, that he'd never used steroids. He's a very big guy, very muscly guy, mm. um, until he was um, caught out very uh-huh. severely, severely, it was a very hard fall from grace, um, uh, that he was not only using steroids but using enough for a small population. So, oh, no. um, Yeah, tragic fall from grace. But since then, his authenticity has actually opened the door to, Complex conversations about, yes, mm. be healthy, but um, look what happens and look here is a doorway into my biggest flaw. What's my biggest flaw? I got to this point and made this mistake because um, body dysmorphia in men looks much different to women mm. and it is corrosive. It is dangerous. I've taken, been taking so many, many steroids to keep up with it. It's killing me. Mm. And here I am the model, the absolute epitome of health. know that's what I've been trying to get out there for everyone else but I haven't been doing it authentically now here I am here is the biggest flaw the biggest um, hole in my argument and my messaging and that actually we need to be looking toward not running away from and that body dysmorphia and men is a is a terrible um, weight that needs to be addressed and needs to be addressed openly with curiosity and compassion not shoved under a rug and injected with steroids so I feel like that's authenticity. Look what happened, you know. Look at all the things that I've been through, and I'm not ashamed of it. I'm a human being. This is part of my experience. Talk about it with me.
0: So anyone who presents as perfect is not being authentic. No, because we're okay. So can we? Can you take me through some mega famous people? Tell me whether you. We're descending into an FM-style radio interview, but it's fun to test what the yeah. principles you've been giving us, okay? Right. So, so let's look at someone who exudes perhaps, I don't like them, but people say they lead with empathy and kindness and their prime ministership was marked by just so much empathy. It was Jacinda Ardern of New Zealand. And then we'll go to Justin Trudeau in Canada. What do you see based on everything we've been talking about? Is the spin true?
1: Okay, so for Jacinda Ardern, I think she's a really great example and I'm really glad you brought her up. A nice smile doesn't make authenticity. Kind words don't make it authenticity because she's got some pretty brutal policies that have been in place for the last few years that have seen many people suffer. So what's your definition of authenticity? If authenticity is a nice smile and, you know, some kind words, then you're missing the mark. Absolutely. So if anyone's looking to Jacinda Ardern and thinks she's the model of authenticity, the way that you check a model of a person's model of authenticity is does it check out? Do their words match, match their actions? And Jacinda Ardern's don't.
0: What about Justin Trudeau? He's also got a soft image. Friendly.
1: Again, oh, I'm really glad that you've brought up these two because I think that they are the perfect example of how um, identity politics has overtaken rationality because Justin Trudeau, nice smile, good hair, great charisma, do his policies match up to a guy who's apparently one for the people and they don't. Okay. Do your words match your actions? And are you okay being questioned on that? These are two people that are not being okay okay with being questioned. They're not okay with openness and accountability.
0: What about pop culture icons like Oprah?
1: Yeah, Oprah is a more complex one um, because she does model herself on authenticity, um, Mm. absolutely, and she definitely shows facets of her own authenticity, absolutely. Um, I think maybe perhaps we could have um, said that in the past when she was a little bit more open and willing to discuss her own thoughts and opinions. Mm. Perhaps that might have been someone we could have had a, a more complex conversation about in terms of modeling mm. authenticity. But no, I, I would say that Oprah's style of interviewing is absolutely a one way street. And she's definitely resting on a reputation from decades ago. So, can
0: you really? Okay. Because people, you know, we're, we know Oprah, but people have said to us, oh, you remind me of Oprah because you're very open, just like she is. And you're saying she's not, she's a one way. Interview.
1: Well, how complex would you believe that Oprah is? How would you rate her complexity?
0: For me, it,
1: challenge are there things that challenge you about Oprah? Or... For me,
0: it feels like it's a show. Yes. It's a persona. So if there is some complexity in the guest she has on and the question she asks, it feels like she's doing it because she knows that's the right thing to do for ratings. Exactly. I'm not sure she believes. The persona that she projects?
1: No, but it's a very well-paying one.
0: Okay. Are I would
1: say yeah. someone who is um that you would want to look toward as as more of an Oprah style if, if you're looking for authenticity in that that field mm. is who's someone who has complexity, who's someone who has been challenged, who is someone who's nearly lost it all at the mm. risk of sticking to their perspective respectfully you know, even though it might be unpopular. Someone someone campaigning for popularity and succeeding, I'd say be careful of.
0: Which is even good people, apparently The Rock is a really cool guy and Zac Efron and all these sort of people, they may be good, but that's not a good indicator of authenticity is what you're saying because they've just campaigned for no. popularity and they've succeeded and that's it. There's no testing. Absolutely.
1: In that. And that's why I think anyone in the um, movie world, anyone in the... Um, acting sphere, anyone in even media, um, Mm. it's going to be hard for you to find someone authentic. And if you find someone authentic, expect that they're going to be um, torn to shreds and that they're okay with that and that they're still comfortable with uncomfortable conversations and that they're still respectful. Um, And if they are perfect, be very wary because They're making a lot of money off of that and that's their motive. You need to try and find out what's driving someone who looks like a model. Are they in it for money? Are they in it for clout? Are they in it for or are they in it for a calling that really seems like a passion, something that they've been driven to and that they're okay with making mistakes? They're okay with sometimes people disagreeing with them And they're okay with not being thought of as any kind of a hero. Um, Those are the people that you need to go towards because those are the people that you can learn from. And also they're going to be just fine with with you agreeing with them or not because Mm. that's the end goal here. Let's have a complex conversation. Come back again and again. Be comfortable with uncomfortable conversations. If you can, you're deep in your authenticity because you're going to be okay with, with someone not Um, being on your line of thought and you're going to be okay with um, finding the space between whether that's an open door to explore or not because if it's firmly closed, you may as well just, you know, just hit your head against a wall, you'll have the same effect. Um, Recognise where you are looking for models and allow them to be complex because I think that that's another massive um, pillar to getting us into a new um, state of being as human beings is taking everyone off their pillars and not even put ourselves on a pillar. You know, I I put a story up on my page after I reached out to you um, about your information on your stories and um, one of the, the most important things I shared about that is I reached out to Matt to have a conversation about with you about something that interested me, um, not because I believed that you were on any kind of pedestal but because I find such interest and um, curiosity and um, openness about your um, the things that you talk about that, by extension, opening that door to find more information, more curiosity, learn more was um, something that I felt could only enrich my experience Um, and even if I disagreed with you or not that was safe in my body there wasn't um, that hierarchical okay this person's way up here on a pedestal And everything that they say is right and better than what I know, because no, I guarantee you, no one is like that. But I guarantee you, everyone has something that you can learn from,
2: Mm.
1: because we are interconnected. We're meant to be getting that feedback.
0: What do you make of the so-called truth tellers in our world who are saying the things that you're not allowed to say? And I'll bring up two, a controversial one, and then a less controversial one. So first of all, Andrew Tate. You aware of Andrew Tate? Mm
2: -hmm.
1: Yeah. Yep.
0: What do we make of him?
1: Okay.
0: In in it's I mean, we're not here to judge his character. We're not God. No. I mean, in terms of what we've been talking about, because also I all just fun-
1: think he's fascinating. I'm really, really glad you brought him up. Yeah.
0: Yeah, because authenticity is what people say about him, but I don't think we're seeing authenticity. I think we're seeing something else which might be positive. Uh, but there's some real problems with Andrew Tate. And so what what are you seeing here in the overall a lot of young men looking for role models? not getting them, finding them. And we'll do Jordan Peterson next, right? That's a much safer one. But they're looking to people like Andrew Tate and mimicking and modelling of him.
1: He's a symptom, exactly of what you said, of, of men lacking strong male models. Um, and what we want is male models to be strong in their masculinity, in their um, masculine power, which actually is the opposite of a lot of things that Andrew Tate stands for, but we don't know that because we haven't been exploring that um, uh, as a society well. Um, a strong man, the, you know, if you look at Disney movies and um, pop, pop culture, you know, strong man is becoming almost non-existent, you know. The more um, uh, feminine the man is, apparently the stronger they are and we're losing sight of what strong masculinity should look like and it doesn't mean anything to do with your appearance. It's all to do with um, can you hold space, can you be secure, can you be strong and um, uh, confident. But Andrew Tate I think has done what many men in this space do and take it a little bit to the extreme of um, making controversial topics, um, inflammatory. So I think if you look at Andrew Tate, does he look like someone who is confident? Yes. Does he look like someone who is regulated? And no. Can temper and someone who can manage his temper and his relationships well and respectfully? Is he comfortable being challenged? And I don't mean with controversial questions, which he really mm. likes to argue about. About, mm. I mean, when something doesn't sit well with him, does he take it well?
0: So, he lashes. He lashes out. But not, does he, at, yeah. at the same time, he, he's, he says, as I said, the, the so-called truth tellers in this day and age where he's got the boldness and the brashness to say some things that are absolutely true that no one else is willing to say and call out the emperors wearing no clothes.
1: So if you look at someone like that and you apply the the lens of having them as a model Mm. but not an idol, Mm. you can look at someone like that and be like that's a part that is um, admirable, I would say, Um, but are we going to turn him into an idol and take every aspect of his character and, and turn him into a hero? Absolutely not absolutely not. When you take in the, the whole picture of, of what is available, of the information of that character that is accessible to us, I won't say the person, we don't know the person, but um, the information that is, is accessible to you, if you turn someone like that into an idol, you're in very, very dangerous and um, yeah, unpleasant ground.
2: So
0: sometimes you do know the person through the character that not with him. I don't think you do, but for example, if using me as an example, and there would be many others, what you, what you see and the silliness and the humor and the, and the curiosity, that's exactly who I'm in real life. And there's some people who are in the public eye who are, who are like that. How do you tell if someone is, uh, this back to my original question with Sam Harris, how do you tell if someone is authentic by looking at the character Uh, Um, and how do you tell if it's a
1: Okay. I'm going to answer your question. I really like this question a lot. It's none of your business. Do tell. Our responsibility is for our own authenticity. And I'll tell you what, even the person you go to sleep next to, every single night you'll never know the absolute true ins and ends and outs of their character. Mm. What you can do is um, show curiosity and compassion and um, uh, use different levels of boundaries to um, let certain people into certain levels of your life but your authenticity is your responsibility and someone else's authenticity is their responsibility and their um, uh, their journey as well because you, you might think you're being completely authentic and I believe I'm being completely authentic in this moment. Um, yet I might change my mind down the track and someone else might look at that and be like, oh, no, she was lying in that, that video Mm. Um, she's faking it she's not authentic their perception of me is none of my business because if they came and had a conversation with me and said I'm challenged by what you said I think that you lied I would say thanks for bringing that to me I'm I'm happy to talk about it I'm happy to um, see if my version of reality will help inform your version of reality and then perhaps you can view me as authentic again, but your opinion of me is actually none of my business. If I walked around trying to change everyone's perspective of me as to whether I'm authentic or not, I'd waste my life.
0: So that's from your perspective, but what about the viewer's perspective? Do you think there's any uh, utility in them trying to discern whether someone is authentic or not?
1: Yes, and that's whether their their words match their actions and being okay if they fall off that pedestal because they're
0: okay. So just briefly on Jordan Peterson, what do you make of him? He's also a big role model for young men.
1: Um, Again, from what I have seen of Jordan Peterson, like I haven't gone to deep, dark depths of, you know, digesting everything that he's done. Um, He is someone who has been through some really harsh criticism Mm -hmm. and has had to show some deep accountability, and, but ownership of his viewpoints and ownership of his stances, mm. um, and I think that's authenticity as well. I'm comfortable with the discomfort and I'm okay with that and I grieve that you don't see me the way that I see me, but I'm going to state again that I'm comfortable in that discomfort and I'm going to own my truth. So ownership of your truth, accountability of your truth, and being comfortable with other people's discomfort is definitely authenticity. Um, I've yet to see something from Jordan Peterson's that I believe is um, inc- incongruent to um, the, the authenticity that I see in him as a person. But again, I think it's important to come back to the fact that if something comes out one day that conflicts with that, unless I was in a room with him 24-7, I'm not going to be able to hold him Accountable for everything that he says at every minute of every day, but from what I can see of this person, as a model, I like those parts of myself and I I really like informing myself about um, authenticity from that perspective. Of I'm going to say some things you're not comfortable with, but there is beautiful there are beautiful win- windows of learning here that help you help inform you um, of how to have complex and um connective relationships and stay true to what it means to be a human being
0: what about female role models who's good
1: okay female human uh role models M- most of to the- to come back to nicole from the holistic psychologist yes, and yes. she's I-, I think she's she's she really delves into some some um uh deep um parts about herself that, that might make other people uncomfortable, but it helps inform, um, the work that she does. Um, I think that she's fantastic. Um,
0: you got more famous ones that people could identify with as an illustration.
1: See, when we come to more famous ones, um, in this field, um, it's a little tricky because, um, the male ones do tend to dominate that field a little bit. And, um, there are there's the more controversial ones in the mental health sphere that have been labelled as cults and things like that, um, and again it's it, it's really interesting that you say that and that um, and then you've got you know, actors and things like that which I tend to stay away yeah. from in terms of authenticity right. because they could lose so much if they yeah. do come out. Um, So one that I'm 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 hesitant to say on a public sphere because um, they have been lambasted so severely. I think it's a more like it's a whole podcast kind of a conversation about her authenticity. Is Teal Swan? Um, Who's that? Teal Swan is a bit of a thought leader who releases ideas about um, psychology and healing in the unconscious mind in very bite-sized pieces. So it's just very digestible for people who've had severe trauma. A lot of it's yes. free. Um, but they did a, a, a documentary on her recently, a four-part documentary. Um, she had to release a response for every part because basically they finalised it by saying she was a cult leader.
0: Wow. Um,
1: and it was it's very controversial and I think it's, it's a complex conversation about Um, the answers to that and again in terms of authenticity I do like her authenticity but coming back to my my referencing to modeling I'm certainly not going to align myself with Mm. another person in any way shape or form because there are complexities involved and um, I think it's very healthy to allow space for every single one of your models to be flawed Um, and to be able to take parts that you admire and leave the rest, and we should be doing that with all of our relationships. We should be looking toward people to inform things that we would like to raise in ourselves while allowing room and space for them, That staying away from cancel culture if they let us down, and that applies in our personal life as well when people let us down.
0: Uh, the best advice, I'm finished asking you random questions about role models, uh, the best advice I because I know that can be stressful. So thank you for doing. It. The best advice I had about heroes is to make sure that your heroes are long dead. The dead are the I, better.
2: I agree.
1: <laughs> I agree. Bring me. Let's let's bring Marcus Aurelius into the conversation. Uh, Great. Right. Yeah, I'm down for okay. that.
0: Yeah. <laughs> I, I I'd love to um, finish out this interview by discussing something. I don't know. I I didn't prep you for well, really, for much at all, but this past 2 i want to talk about soul and the and having an anchor for your soul this past 2 years those who did what you've described were confident in themselves confidence is not the right word but they were okay in themselves they were safe within themselves they exuded a sense of calm because they were calm if we go even deeper than that some of these people they have anchors for their soul Yes, it's very poetic language, but basically, people who seem to build their lives on a rock. Yeah. Some of many of them are religious. Both uh, uh, I've found Sikhs, uh, Muslim, Jew, Christian, uh, but it's not just religious. It's those with its sort of a religious adherence to philosophies like Stoicism. You read, you raised Marcus Aurelius, or um, or libertarianism, uh, or even some of the socialists. I found very very solid and convincing and calm and not full of anxiety there's some really good socialists here in in victoria surprise surprise who i completely disagree with in a lot of their stuff but gee they're good to be around because they exude a sense of of calmness uh let's talk about that what do you think about having an anchor behind everything we've been talking about and what could those anchors be and who are the people you see who have strong anchors
1: i love this question so i will say for every single one of my sessions that i've ever done some of the primary tenets um, that we discuss are um, one, first of all, um, accepting that even when you look into quantum physics, so not even religion itself, um, the, the fascination that our most brilliant minds have with a power that's outside of us, and surrender to control that um, it's not our responsibility to um, be in control of every aspect of our lives. Um, So the addiction that we have as a society um, to control only leads us to misery. It doesn't mean we should take our foot off the pedal by any stretch of the imagination. But we have been led to believe that the more information we have, the more um, uh, control that we have, the more power we have, the happier we'll be, the more rested we'll be because we'll be able to micromanage everything from our health to our children's health to world events. And that's just not the case. We're not. That's not going to give us satisfaction and that's not mm. going to give us joy. We need to be informed, absolutely, and we need to um, have ownership and leadership in that space. So first of all, we need to accept that control is not going to give us the satisfaction that we think it will. Um, and anyone, no matter what religion you follow or if you don't follow any religion at all, but if you can accept that control is not going to make you happy and that you have an element of surrender to that, then you can have an anchor for your soul Mm. um, in the fact that you find the power in surrender. And the second part to that is, so the first part I would say is is acceptance that control is not going to give you the satisfaction. Um, Bigger, brighter things are not going to give you the satisfaction. Control Mm. of everything that you put in your body, whether it's, you know, a thousand percent organic or not it is, you know, or or you know whether you should be injected by this or not, or
2: um,
1: it's not going to give you the satisfaction. It's not going to give you peace. And the second part of that is, um, I say to, in every single one of my sessions that there is peace in surrender, and I'm I don't care if you worship a tree, um, or uh, if you show curiosity that there's a God, if you show curiosity that there is a higher power, Mm -hmm. um, I know what I believe um, and I'm never going to tell you what to believe, but if you show curiosity about that space, that you are being cared for by something and there is a greater plan and a greater design than you could ever imagine um, and that there is, evidence for that in your world in your reality and just start showing curiosity about what that would look like that the power and that surrender that allows you to take the weight of the world Mm. off your shoulders if you are so concerned about what you do what you say what you eat how you Mm. move every second of the day you don't have the time and the space to find safety there is danger in staying in that control zone. When you do show surrender and curiosity about what the universe or what God or what Allah or whatever it is, that that they can lead you in life Mm. or what spirit or, you know, energy, even in quantum physics, there's the fascination of the the power of surrender and the power of um, uh, released thought. Um, is is undeniable, it is backed by science, it is backed by evidence, but it's also backed by some things that you could never possibly explain enough in, in, in words. I'd, I'd love you to play with that idea. It's simply a play with a thought because when you feel like you can take the weight of the world off your shoulders and simply um, start putting your energy into something that is 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 you what you feel your calling is and sometimes your calling could be just taking going home and loving your children um and for other people it could be something quite greater not not to say that they don't love their children as well but if you show surrender to the rest and let that a greater um love of some kind let you know that there will there are reasons that you don't have to know you might never know your entire life and that's okay But if you can play with that surrender and if you can play with that um, release of micromanaging, the release of the lack of control because we are human beings, we are simple human beings, um, there are greater things that we will never understand and we can get glimpses of it it here and there if we show curiosity and enough safety and um, you can investigate that through quantum physics. You can investigate that through um, you know, there's work that's being done um, by Dr. Joe Dispenza, there's um, Jesus, there's um, Buddha, um, there's, for the Stoics, Marcus Aurelius, um, mm. show curiosity, show play, show um, that there is power in allowing yourself to surrender the things that are not yours and by doing that and finding a place where You can know that you are loved in a way that you'll never quite understand, Whatever, no matter what that looks like. Um, There are things moving in this space that let you know you don't have to take care of everything or know what's going to happen in six months' time. You don't have to be led by every scary news article. You know, the world has a way of working itself out um, and it's not... Um, something that we need to spend every waking minute thinking about we can just take care of our own world and if you if you look at that from a nervous system perspective and some of the conversations we've had today if you just take care of that the world will be a greater place than you could possibly imagine and i guarantee you that
0: what a nice summary of of the whole podcast but also of uh, anchors i have had such a so I'm so blessed to have interviewed so broadly this past year. I never would have thought I would have talked to amazing people with like yourself and then even and then super famous people like the you know doesn't those, those people promise whatever I have too found that those who are most rested uh and calm and 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 complete those people that I really resonate with they 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 do seem to adopt a posture of humility and surrender whatever to whatever but there is a posture it's a real humility uh i wish we had more people like that and it has been such we're talking again lauren we definitely need to talk again
1: i know we have to there's just so much more here i'm just i'm I'm thrilled i'm so thrilled to have spent this time together
0: thank you very much.
1: much
0: Thank you very much for sharing so much. It feels like we were only starting to talk about five percent of the, of what's on your mind, and and what came out was quite helpful to me, and I hope to our listeners. So uh, everyone should be following the link to. I think Instagram is your primary outlet.
1: Yes, Instagram is definitely my primary outlet. I really like how you can interact with people there, and you know you get to see um what's happening in my own thoughts and my own life and i'd love to be able to see everyone else as well i think that these kind of conversations do need to be two-way and anything that allows you to do that like instagram is just so great yeah
0: so uh, instagram to lauren dry official is uh, in the links below check her out and we will see you again sometime Uh, i hope you, do you ever make it outside of Western Australia or are you just stuck in Occasionally, prison?
1: Occasionally. Um, we m- I might actually be out your way early this year, so we'll, we'll touch some wood and see how that goes.
0: Very good. All right, goodbye to you, to your lovely husband, your children and your rooster. See um, you later.
2: You. <laughs> see you <ya>. Thanks, Matt. <laughs>